Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Today we're going to be talking about some spoiler talk on Mayor of Easttown, uh, episode three, because I'll be doing my murder rankings. <laughs> we'll be delving into Handmaid's Tale season four, which launched last week. And then we'll talk some casting news and some series news that hit the wire this past week uh, regarding some of our favorite people and some of our favorite shows. Would you say that's all true? I'd say that's all true. I mean, it's it's the only good show on television is what we're you know, going to be talking about. So you can always you know reference that. Um, and then I think when you talk about your murder rankings, I don't think you need any lead in, any preface, any like surrounding material. No spoiler, no spoiler, uh, no spoiler. Just say murder <laughs> rankings coming up on millions of screens. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Keeping ahead of the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Uh, as Ben teased in the open, we're talking about some casting news for the only good show on television, as our esteemed Libby Hill once named it. Uh, Succession announced that Alexander Skarsgård uh, will be joining the cast for season three. What did you guys think of this news? Are you? I'm, I'm assuming I'm, you're as excited as I am about it. Alexander Skarsgård is not my favorite actor, and yet, and I never would have thought of him to appear in Succession, but the second I read it, I was like, oh yes, of course, that's going to be amazing. Just because he has the kind of wild card energy um, that I think would play very well in the Roy's universe, uh, he's smarmy, and it like he, he can play, he has so many layers of villain i think is the thing um he was so good in the showtime series that was unfairly canceled after one season that i can never remember the name of but i know ben knows um, on becoming a god in central florida yes thank you leo knows leo knows leo knows the rube knows uh putting us all to shame but uh you know, and and then of course, in in Big Little Lies and and things like that, he just has has such great energy, and I'm really interested to see how he's going to mix it up. Well, they did say they did give his name. His name, the character yeah. name, is going to be Lucas Matson, and he is a successful confrontational tech founder and CEO. Uh, other than that, they only confirmed that he would be a recurring guest star. So, you know, more than one episode. Uh, but who knows? So the along the lines of like Holly Hunt, uh, Holly Hunter, and and yeah, I think so probably. Though the timing of this also makes me think maybe it's less than Holly. But um, I I don't know. I was I guess with Holly in mind, it makes a little more sense. But I was a little surprised to see them go with such a big name uh, for a season three like this. Um, but I'm also completely in agreement with Libby. Like he's not necessarily an actor where I'm like, Oh man, I got to see this now, but he makes such interesting choices. Most of the time. Uh, this is a guy whose IMDb photo is him in his underpants. Like the upstairs is a tuxedo and the downstairs is just nothing but stockings. Um, and it's the guy who, like you said, in, in on becoming a God, like he's this really <laughs> kind of, kind of lovable, slash horrible goofball sucker and he, he leaned so far into that so hard so fast that it was nothing but endearing and i really i i want to see him kind of bring that energy with a level of menace to uh succession tonight and yeah it'll be great i mean i i 
we are absolutely at the point where we cannot question uh, succession decisions. So um, much less we casting have no decisions. choice. Right. We have no choice but to be excited. I'm just excited to see Skarsgård, who I know most from True Blood, or first from True Blood, uh, have to act opposite Jeremy Strong. Because those are two very different uh, acting styles. Yeah, this is this was far more exciting news than I was anticipating. Of course, maybe I'm just starving for succession content. Yeah, I think point. we all want succession back. We, we all want it back in any form. And, and adding someone like Alexander Skarsgård is just uh, making us froth at the mouths. Uh, I would just say, if, if I had a, a legitimate reason I would use it, I don't. So I'll just be blatant. Um, everyone should watch The Little Drummer Girl uh, with Alexander Skarsgård as well. It's an AMC drama. It's very, very good. Uh, it also has Florence Pugh. Uh, I wish I could say that this would like inform his character in succession or give you proper context for what he's going to be bringing to the table, but I cannot. It's just a very good show that I don't feel like a lot of people watched. I feel like, like yeah, if there's ever going to be an opportunity to pimp like uh, mine, more minor or more uh, overlooked Skarsgård projects, then this is yeah. a perfect time to do it. We have plenty of time before Succession Season 3 comes out. So I just hope that this means if he's a tech CEO, it means more Valter, more jokes about... Uh, about I can't handle it. ...about tech uh, tech news companies. Uh, I hope no. they brought Cord back to consult on uh, what Gawker was like. Good news for you, Leo. It's going to be all about the pivot to video. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> well, moving on to other Warner... Uh, news. Uh, it was announced also this week that uh, HBO Max greenlit a series from David E. Kelly, also <laughs> Big Little Lies uh, links, obviously, uh, and it'll be directed by multi-DGA award winner uh, and favorite of the podcast, Leslie Linkett-Gladder, uh, starring WandaVision and, sorry for your losses, Elizabeth Olsen in a, in a leading role as an axe murderer uh, in a show we all question the title of called Love and Death. I feel like that's a title that could really, like almost any show could just use it. They could just be like, listen, that's what it's going to be about. Like we'll touch on love and we'll touch on death. It's very big picture. Just go with us. It means like, something. Legitimately every Shakespeare tragedy. Libby, you mentioned this in the Slack, but it, it is based on a collection of articles from uh, Tex Texas Monthly. And those those articles are collectively called Love and Death in Silicon Prairie, Part 1 and Part 2. So that's where they took the title of the show from. Uh, which is honestly just a great reason to talk about uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Um, which <laughs> Let's do it. another AMC in the show. Prairie. Uh, no, Man, um, HBO's going to be so pissed. We're trying to pimp these new HBO <laughs> announcers. We're like... Hey, check out this AMC shit. Hey, if they wanted to not be pissed, they could give me succession faster. Um, <laughs> no, Jesse's working on it. They're working on it. I don't know. That, I don't know that I'm excited for this because it it feels very dirty, John, to me. Uh, to to go into these sort of rip from the headlines, tabloidy, true crime things where. Um, a man is bilking women of money or murdering people or women are murdering each other. But at the same time, like, I really, really respect the Texas Monthly's um, true crime stories. Like, there's there's enough there, I think, to be interesting. But at the same time, I have no faith that it's going to be more interesting and less exploitative with David E. Kelly at the helm. No shade on Leslie's direction. I'm sure it'll be very innovative and look very good and... I think this is an opportunity for Elizabeth Olsen to, I mean, yes, 
axe murderer, but also have a little fun. Um, I don't know. It's it's a very the story is is has a bunch of adultery and betrayal and and friendships and I, I don't know. But also, it might actually better if and it might actually be better if it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is a a terrible thing to say about uh, a, a real crime. life situation where someone was literally murdered by an axe. But at the same time, like I don't I don't know I don't know how you necessarily take this thing straight considering one of the main characters is named candy at some point we also should mention the hbo or the hulu project uh entitled candy uh based on the same crime which is uh, supposedly going to star elizabeth moss that was announced almost a year ago and we haven't heard much about it since but two competing projects two competing elizabeths uh (laughs) one woman named candy it's it's just a, it's a lot to kind of digest yeah there was a there was a nice line in the press release from let's see who is this uh lionsgate television head kevin biggs uh where it started by saying we cannot imagine a more perfect artist to play the leading role of candy than elizabeth olsen and it's like in my head i can imagine him emphasizing olsen, olsen. at the end <laughs> Just very fun. And then to your point, again, we don't know much about this other than the, the creators involved in the new cast, but the log line that was provided by HBO Max is not even a real sentence, uh, which, again, adds to the flippant nature of it. But still, two church-going couples enjoying small-town family life in Texas until somebody picks up an axe. Like, when you end with until somebody picks up an axe, that to me says, like, maybe they won't take this too seriously. Maybe is this will there's be no, a little bit Is it because there's so. no verb? What what makes that not a sentence? Uh, yeah, because they're all no, they're I mean, all they're all independent clauses. The way yeah, that enjoying just, small time is, small town family life in Texas. Yeah, they're all clauses. Yeah, they were two church going couples just enjoying small town family life in Texas until somebody picked up an axe. <laughs> that that does a lot. Of this. I added only two words, and I think. We got we got a full sentence, and it doesn't change the meaning that much. And I think it's actually more ominous until somebody picked up an axe. Libby, 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 you mentioned that there's another project called Candy, uh, supposedly starring uh, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, that is yet no news has come out since December 2020. But I can tell friend you, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, Elizabeth Moss. Yes, how could I forget? Uh, how close is too close? He asked once. Um, it's the best podcast. So, uh, this past Wednesday, season four of The Handmaid's Tale uh, debuted on Hulu. Uh, as I mentioned up tops, the fourth episode will air, uh, yesterday. If you are listening (laughs) to this in the future. My favorite part about this sentence is, one, yes, it's dependent on you listening to this pod (laughs) as soon as it comes out. Two, technically, it doesn't air at all. It just appears on a streaming thing, which is... It drops. Uh, just drops. But I did want to get uh, your guys' thoughts on, on season four of Handmaid's Tale. Ben, I know you, you watched the series. Uh, Libby, you're in the process of watching. Uh, I am watching like a rube as the episodes drop, so I have, I have not seen in advance. I only saw the first three. Uh, we know there's a fifth season on the books, and uh, as Libby might attest to... There is a second book that Margaret Atwood wrote that may or may not uh, factor into how these next two seasons of Handmaids play out. But Ben, why don't we get started 
by you uh, talking a little bit about season four, your thoughts. Uh, we'll try to stay pretty spoiler free. Uh, but obviously, if you haven't watched the first three seasons yet, yeah, uh, don't stop listening now. Uh, I believe when I submitted my review for episode or for season four of The Handmaid's Tale, uh, I decried uh, that I was a, a hypocrite and a horrible person, and you should just send me off uh, to the wilderness to die. Uh, because the main point of my review is that it takes about five to six episodes for season four of this very dark and heavy prestige drama to get good and uh you should do it you should just you know eat up all that extra fat sift through it and and make your way to to the gold mine um and that's pretty much the opposite of what i argue with everything i usually am very harsh on shows that don't uh make efficient use of their time and plotting uh Libby's is giving me a this look. this because of the Cubs hat? Uh no, that's actually not where it gets good. That's I know, the last. but I just like your your generosity did that spur any more generosity. No, at that point I was still really angry. And it was it was a big question because there's so much in that episode, which we can't talk about yet, that seems like it was made uh specifically to court at least one critic uh in this group. Literally you. Uh, yep, yep, yep. And maybe uh, I, I don't think it worked. I really don't. I, I don't love that episode um, as much as I should, and as much as I do love seeing Elizabeth Moss in character wearing a Cubs hat. Uh, spoiler, that's coming. It's great. Um, but, but, but no. I, I mean, the thing about the Handmaid's Tale for the last at least couple seasons for me is that it doesn't really earn most of the time. It's, it's tortured gravitas i guess like uh yeah yeah i i i struggled with the show as somebody who normally really (laughs) overly enjoys uh sad prestige dramas uh i struggled with this one nevertheless and it was usually because it either felt uh repetitive or redundant or or stretched out in some fashion and the first five episodes of the new season absolutely do that and then it takes a very interesting turn that is partially set up in that premiere episode um which is, I mean, maybe we can talk about a little bit, but, um, but no, I, I think it's one of those frustrating things. I think if you've invested the time in the show already, I think you need to kind of see it through. If you've made it this far, then I think it is, you know, it's a show for you. Like you you can do it. You'll be fine. Um, and if you haven't, if you're, if you've drifted from the wagon, I don't know if it's earned like, Hey, you have to absolutely get back on board and watch this now, but it's creeping a lot closer toward that, that area and then uh and then yeah how this season ends considering they've already greenlit season five i think will tell us a lot about whether or not what's what changes in episodes six seven and eight um are going to be sustainable enough to keep the show on a good momentum and and kind of a a a steadier pace than what had come before so libby we were talking a little bit earlier about the fact that there is going to be a fifth season we already know this, and we tease the fact that Margaret Atwood wrote uh, the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, The Testaments. Um, I guess from your perspective, how do you sort of see this blooming out? Ben, neither Ben or I have have watched have read the book, so we don't have a good sense. But like, do you see it as being a continuation or sort of more of a, a Game of Thrones prequel or like sequel scenario? Where it's like it's the world. It's um, 
Okay, let me let let me let me start with what I once knew. Uh, I had heard once upon a time from someone that the rough plan was to see The Handmaid's Tale run for five seasons and then uh, have the Testaments begin and run for five seasons. Like that was many moons ago. Like I have no idea if that was still the rough plan. I I don't know how that changes with Hulu um, with the continued success of Handmaid's Tale. But um, if what Ben is saying is accurate, that we're actually finally seeing some motion in the back half of the season towards something else maybe an end game then uh that would that i mean who can say honestly but but for a show that has felt a little bit like it's been running in place for a couple seasons then it, it does make sense that significant movement might might mean that we're going somewhere finally um as for the testaments, it is not just a hey, let's go look at the let's let's go hang out with the Targaryens, you know, three hundred years before anyone we cared about lived. Um, this is much more a a a direct sequel. Um, characters crossover. Yes, there are characters who are currently in the series who appear. Uh, in large roles in the Testaments. There are characters in the series uh, who play smaller roles, who show up in the Testaments playing large roles. And I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that Margaret Atwood has always been very involved with The Handmaid's Tale uh, and Hulu. She and uh, and and Bruce Miller, uh, get on famously like they she is always she's not breaking story there, but it's I think it's it's even a step beyond what George R. R. Martin was with Game Game of Thrones. Like, I don't think Bruce Miller would wander so far afield that they couldn't pick up with the testaments where the Handmaid's Tale left out. Not necessarily directly. It's not necessarily like the Handmaid's Tale is going to end and then the testaments will begin right where we left off. That would be pointless. Um, but it is the same universe. It does have several of the same characters and we are dealing with the same problems. We are dealing with, um, this same universe, the the same regime, 15, 20 years down the road. I I will say that the the sound of the Testaments without getting into spoilers is exciting to me because the one thing, and I've talked to Ben about this while watching the season, is like the one thing I'm always most interested about in The Handmaid's Tale is the world, like no offense to to June's story, which is obviously the the center of the series, but I, I, I want to see, and I might see, you know, what does the front line look like in Chicago? Like, where are they fighting? Who is fighting who? Like, I want to, I want a map. I, w- I want to know, like, what are, what are the politics of Canada aiding and abetting, you know, U.S. expatriates from Gilead when they share a border? Like, it's, it's probably banal and stupid shit, but like, I would love to see more of that reflected in the show. And I think it's tough to balance those two things at times. Well, this goes back to our Shin Godzilla arguments, right? Like, there is something to be said about the the weird bureaucracy that must be playing out in these like apocalyptic scenarios. Yeah. Um. And and one thing is that, one thing I think is super interesting that you said that Leo is that 
Hulu and The Handmaid's Tales, Twitter has been very big on like you entering your zip code and finding out where you would be in the United States. Like if there was fighting where you were, like who has control over that territory. So they are, I think they have a sense now that they are, are sending it out to to beyond just um, just Gilead, just the community where, where June was. But I think, yeah, I, I think if there is a failing of The Handmaid's Tale, not as a novel, but as a series of television, it is that it is so tied to this one woman's experience and this one woman's point of view. And they try and expand beyond that with varying degrees of success. And we see that a lot. We've seen that a lot with other shows like 24. Uh, every time I, I'm like, how is June still alive? I feel like I should probably have been asking that every season of 24 as well with Jack Bauer, but also the patriarchy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm She's excited. alive because the show needs her to be yeah, alive. I know. It's such an unsatisfying answer and it's the only one the lover give me. Um, I will say that uh, it has seemed to me like there are enough perspectives within Gilead, Gilead and outside Gilead for the show to sustain without June. And I do feel like it struggled to give us good reasons how June has survived. I think the first three episodes of this season in particular are one of those things where it's like, no fucking way. That's just an insane thing. <laughs> like, it's just insane. Um, but setting setting that aside. They if- so clearly want me to stop asking that question, and yet they refuse to stop doing things that make me ask that question sorry for cutting you off but it's very upsetting ben i would just be like if i were in gilead if i were like some normal doofus in gilead who isn't like a commander i'd be like how does this girl keep getting away what's wrong with our leaders how is there not a bounty on her head for everyone what is wrong (laughs) yeah it's like i uh, i am aware of a handmaid's name like for this long how is that possible we kill them all the time it's brutal and terrible um, trains apparently sorry go ben i swear to god i'll shut up no you're fine if if we accept the idea that the handmaid's tale is june's story then my question becomes one that's like a, a, a how creative blends with a business model for introducing the testaments because if we accept the idea that the handmaid's tale is june's story and it, and she needs to have an ending before we can move on to the next phase of the story like before the testaments can start its run or, or be the sequel series or pick up, you know, however many years later. Um, I guess my question is, does Hulu run the risk of never getting anyone back in this world? I have seen such a split reaction to The Handmaid's Tale, especially this season after there was a long break between the third season and the fourth season, where people are either still completely addicted and they are we're waiting for it to drop and they're launching and they're ready they're watching it they're up to date they know exactly what i'm talking about and they're correcting me as i make mistakes with names and places and scenarios uh or they're like there is never in a thousand years will i go back to that show like that show is too dark it's too grim we've moved past it as a society if you want to make that argument or you've just moved past it because you need a different kind of television show aka you're on the ted lasso train and you just need stuff that feels good um my concern if I was Hulu would be that if we give The Handmaid's Tale an ending before we start the New Testaments, if we don't find a way to link those uh, outside of the simple original sequel scenario, uh, that no one's going to watch this next show. Like that, that no one's going to be like, I want to watch another version of this that 
isn't focused on Elizabeth Moss in all of her glory uh, and is still as like grim and dour and and hard as The Handmaid's Tale has been. Like I, I feel like this is one of those universe questions where we see this all over TV and movies. Everybody's trying to create a universe. And as appealing as it is, like in Leo's scenario for like me as well, wanting to see the different corners of Gilead and kind of the map of what's going on and understanding the geopolitics of everything there. Um, I don't know if that's going to be enough for the average viewer to reinvest in this show a second time once they've seen an ending. So I, I'm just, that's my question to the panel as two people who are pretty close tracking the show. To borrow a poker, poker phrase, I'm pot committed. Like I've spent this much, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've spent this much time with the show to abandon it, abandon it now feels like it'd be a disservice to me in a weird way. Well, I guess that's, that's the question though. It's not, I guess this doesn't really work with the poker analogy, but if in that scenario and you're, and you're pot committed, they gave you a chance to just take your money back and call it a day. Would you do it? Because if they give us an ending for The Handmaid's Tale, then you're done with that show. You don't have to start a new one. Like you don't, you're not committed yet guess, to the next thing. I guess it depends on what the new one is. It depends on that first episode of the new one. Like who are the characters I'm getting to see more of? How far in the future are we? Like what are the what are the the change dynamics of the the world in in this in this you know sequel? Uh, is there still Gilead? Is Gilead weakened? Is it stronger somehow? Has it expanded? Is there a world where they are, you know, like a Roman Empire and they've somehow grown? We don't know what the end of The Handmaid's Tale brings. I haven't read either yeah. book. I don't read. Um, <laughs> like, there, there's a world... You're killing me, Hans. There's a world where Gilead could uh, expand, like, uh, expand like the Roman the Empire. The religious you know? right. Yeah. Um... Okay. The, sun, the sun never set on Gilead, you know what I Basically. mean? Basically. <laughs> let me let me um, phrase it like this, because it, it definitely depends on how Hulu sells it, because you can't depend on anyone having read the original book, much less the sequel. To me, The Handmaid's Tale and The Testaments are the last two books of a trilogy. We never get a very clear, we, we don't have a prequel for Handmaid's Tale that tells us exactly how Gilead came to be. We see shadows of it. We see implications. I'd love to get a history book that detailed the, that time. So then if you assume that the Handmaid's Tale is, is that center where we're in the heart of it, we kind of see the mechanics of, of how things are going from the lower, lower, lower class. What I will say is then, what they are offering in the testaments is the final chapters of this trilogy. So if you want to stop after um, two towers, that's fine. Like you, you can do that, but the testaments is your return of the King. Um, do, do people think of it like that? I've never heard this before. I've always heard of it I as one say- and two. So it's more like they're continuing rather than we're ending. I don't, but that, but this is how it feels sense. to me. That does make they sense. should sell it that way. They I should agree. absolutely sell it that and way. Someone and I, should write a I, prequel. <laughs> I guess it's a question of if if people buy it. Like I, I mean, especially in today's culture of everything just continues. I think it's much easier for an, an audience to very skeptically look at this and just be like, "Well, they're just extending it. Like they're just making this run longer because they can." And um, 
I think, promising an ending, especially for a, a series, assuming this isn't a limited series, the Testament, assuming it's an ongoing series, uh, is already kind of a, a big ask for something that's that long. Um, but anyway, this the, the I do not have a, a, a firm answer on anything here. This is definitely just skeptic, skepticism and, and speculation uh, without seeing the ending of The Handmaid's Tale or knowing exactly where it's going to go. I still haven't seen the last two episodes of even this season, let alone season five. It just does, when I reached the end of episode eight, I think I told Leo this already, it felt like this was either going to end immediately, like in the next two episodes, which obviously isn't the case, so it's going to end in a season, or it's going to go for another five years. Like, it's just going to go, like, they could just expand. And um, I was curious if the Testaments was that expansion, I guess. I think the Testaments is Return of the King. God, that's this. This makes it such a tricky, like such a tricky thing for like a, a tricky line for them to walk because you you need the Handmaid's Tale to end well enough that people are satisfied and like this show that has already been you know coronated as best drama series and you know launched into the into the you know prestige TV stratosphere you know it needs a, a proper ending but it's almost like if it's too good if it's too satisfying they won't feel that pressure to be like, no, 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 I do need the ending that the Testaments is going to provide. I do need to get there again. I, I disagree. I, I, I see what you're saying. I disagree with that because as we've learned from literally every show in human existence, if you are a fan of something, you will always want more, no matter how much you shouldn't want more. Breaking Bad, want Better more. Call Saul. That's yeah. true. Yeah, well, I mean, not even that, but like then the movie, like like. Oh, we have to do a movie. Oh, we need a Downton movie. Like, oh, we need a second Downton movie. Like, it's, it's, people just want more, whether it's good for them or not. Cheers, Frasier. People want more shows. Shut up, you. <laughs> wings, uh, cheers, Frasier. Don't forget wings. Can't, gotta, can't say forget wings. Uh, the new class. Not yeah, as good. So, so I, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I think they do have a really difficult line to walk. I think it's really, I think a big help would be not having Bruce Miller showrun the Testaments. I think making it a different show would go a really long way. Uh, maybe getting a, a woman or a woman of color to showrun that show. I, I think if you, you completely break with the stylistic tone that the the handmaid's tale has set there are plenty of ways to draw an audience in like oh you're familiar with this world let's jump ahead and see how that system how that closed system is playing out um in a new way it's it's like uh it's like when we always wanted anthology seasons to uh have a different director or showrunner every year or how I really wish the Harry Potter movies had a different director to bring like their style to each individual entry. Um, there's a lot of opportunity here. I think that there's a very high ceiling for success, but I think that you're absolutely right that people might get to the end of June story because they've sent, spent five, at least five years with June. They're just like, that's a lot of Gilead. Like, I, I'm done. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm done. It's time uh, for the Leo's murder power rankings. It's that time. No, no spoilers or spoilers. No spoiler I mean, spoilers. Warning. We got a spoiler. Okay. So, so this past Sunday was the third episode 
of Mayor of Easttown. Uh, I have the summary here, just in case uh, you, you're unfamiliar. As Mayor and Colin parse new <laughs> physical evidence, phone records lead to an unlikely suspect. After lashing out at Helen about a possible custody fight over Drew, Mayor receives some unprompted advice from Richard on how to move forward with Carrie. Later, Kenny and Mayor face the consequences of their misguided attempts to protect their families. Yeah, some shit went down. Yeah. Mayor tried something. It didn't go well. Mayor, uh, for how good she is at, like, I think this, this episode did a lot of, like, Mayor's an amazing cop. Mayor might be the stupidest person on the planet. Well, <laughs> somehow, she's struggling with her somehow grief, simul- Somehow simultaneously uh, found the bullet. Like, uh, like, uh, like, oh, look at this ricochet. Look, there's the bullet. I found it uh, in spite of your uh, the top county dogs. Uh, could not find this bullet or this uh, gunpowder. But also, I'm not going to remove the little uh, alien, <laughs> the little alien marking on the drugs so that you yeah. can't. <laughs> Yeah, this this is just the this is what happens. Like she's clearly a good cop, she knows what she's doing. But when you're when you're struggling with grief and and hurt and you're angry and you've got all of these things clouding your judgment, alcoholism definitely played a part in that. Not taking the labels off. Uh, I think Colin you know, might have mistakes. a problem. You make mistakes. <laughs> he might have a, more of a problem than Mayor. Uh, I gotta yeah, say, but, Evan Peters doing a hell of a drunk. A drunk acting there. He really I went really for it. I really love him in this. I can't help it. He's drunk and sick. he's doing the Delco accent. Really? Yeah, that's a pretty fucking high bar. That's a lot of plates to be spinning at once. A lot of spinning plates there. And being I normal. Don't disagree. And, but, and being Leo, normal. You, you got to give the people what they want. He might be in trouble. We might need to worry about him. But is he oh. a murderer? We're going to find out here in a second. Uh, just to recap, last week's murder ranking saw Collins Abel was five, Frank Sheehan was four, Deacon Mark Burton was three, the cousin of the dad of the girl who was murdered, aka, <laughs> AKA Billy, was two, and then uh, Richard Ryan, Guy Pierce's character, was number one. That was just me going with my gut. He's too big a name to be not be so the murderer. Rude. But here are this week's murder rankings. Uh, in the five spot, I'm going with Faye. She's making a lot of faces at Frank. Fuck's that, that's oh, isn't that his? Isn't that his? Uh, his fiance? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like when that whole shouting match is happening, where she accuses her ex-husband of sleeping with uh, a teenager. Uh, it seems like Faye knows something, and then she gives. She's giving both him the silent treatment and Mayor the silent treatment. And though we now have an alibi for Frank that he sang Billy Joel and passed out in a chair. Where was Faye? What was Faye up to? Number four? I've dropped I've dropped Richard Ryan. Guy Pierce is now four on the he fell three three spots to four. Uh ah, disappointing showing. Yeah, he didn't wow. do much this episode and he actually gave good advice. He oh, gave good him. he gave good advice. <laughs> and he flirted with Gene Smart. You know, she's one of those She's resting on the banisters. Spoiler. Oh, Gene Smart broke a hip in that scene. Yep. Whoa. Stay tuned for a award spot- broke a rib. Stay, yeah. stay tuned Ooh. for award spotlight to see the rest of that story. Uh, luckily, as she said, she was wearing padding to to make uh, the character seem a little bigger, so she didn't break her hip or, or anything else in 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 her body. Broke a rib. I'd say she snapped a rib in half. Yeah, three. 
Despite him being very drunk and very cool, I'm sticking with Colin Zabel. There's something there. <laughs> I think I don't think he's that good a cop. I think that's, so. How do you solve this other case? The way he said, the way he said, oh, I knew what the, there was a hole in this person's uh, timeline. He worked at this thing, and then we found the body. Okay, you could have put the body where he worked because you knew where he worked. Fishy, fishy. Uh, two. Uh, I'm borrowing this uh, from my wife. What's up with Siobhan? She's making faces left and right. And, I, and she was one of the last people to be with Aaron. She was well, all... she's a lesbian. So, you know, suspicious. Yeah. L- lesbians are just suspicious. And yeah, she was one of the last people to be seen with, with Aaron when she was alive. And then, of course, this episode really shined a spotlight on Deacon Mark Burton. Uh, he has the... He's a priest. Yeah. Also suspicious. Hello. I think my juice is here. <laughs> juice. 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 So number one with the bullet, Deacon Mark Burton. Uh, obviously, like Libby said, priest. Uh, Can't trust him. Doing some very suspicious things like uh, throwing her bike into the river. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> he has very her Very suspicious. He's also the yeah. last person to speak to her on the phone. Last phone record. Then he... Du- As one does. Then he... Ducks the cops when they come back for a second uh, line of questioning, peeking out. Not very priest-like. Also, when Mayor's cousin asks him how the conversation went, he just kind of uh, went okay and then runs away very quickly. Uh, I will say, as a viewer of these kinds of shows, it feels too early for that that hot a spotlight to be on our on our killer. Unless, no. unless the show is just about the rest of it, yeah, which might you be got it, which might be the case. They solve it next episode. They solve it. Mayor should not be on the this case. All plays out. <laughs> the biggest, the biggest twist of Mayor of Easttown is that they solve the murder in episode four, and then the last three episodes are just about Mayor like getting her shit together. It's like, listen, we got the case, we set all that aside, and let's just focus on Mayor. They bring in Marie Kondo, like it's a it's a whole like inspirational sort of eat pray love uh, vibe for the back half. Does it spark joy? Which was referenced in yesterday's episode of Breeders, the best comedy on television right now. Oh. Well, hacks is coming. Right now is what I said. I use the phrase right now. (laughs) No, I heard you, and I said hacks is coming. I said right now. I hate you. <laughs> I said I hate you. I said right now. And also, we'll see. We'll see what Hacks is like. <laughs> Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation. IndieWire, our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video, Bjork Talking About TV, and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our editor in chief is Anna Harris Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. This week's episode is brought to you by some of our favorite sequels in trilogies. The Godfather Part 2, a, a given. Uh, I mentioned it earlier on the pod. The Empire Strikes Back definitely works. Uh, it's the best because it's the coldest. The, the colder the movie, the I better mean, the movie. Uh, Evil Dead 2? Do we have fans? Def- definitely I better than Evil Dead 1. Seen. And then uh, this episode very specifically is brought to you by The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. And if <laughs> you just Hobbit want. Hobbit 2, Electric Boogaloo. If you just want to stop at the two towers, you can. If you want. You're the one who made that point, Libby.
I mean, the your point. heavy implication I is that yeah. why would you? No, like, why would you just go this far and be like? I think I think Libby was arguing more me. that people want to watch Return of the King, so then they'll want to watch the Testaments. Did you just completely? <laughs> I thought did you were saying you could just watch the two towers. Leo, Leo is so no. attached to the two towers. He's like, that movie is fucking great. You're right. It is. We can end it there. We it's can end the it there, then we don't have, then we don't have 16 endings. Oh my God. It ends early. We eliminate all of those problems. It's the best of three movies. Wait, do you not agree that it's the best of the three Lord of the Rings movies? Oh, it's the best of the three movies. What the fuck, I'm a, Leo? Like, I'm a Fellowship of the Ring, man. You just completely missed my point. Like, Helm's just, Deep, baby. I mean, Helm's Deep's great, but Fellowship of the Ring all the way. I honestly haven't seen them in a decade, so I'll rewatch them tonight and I'll let you know. <laughs> rewatch, rewatch eight hours of movie tonight. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens and Midwest Spitfire at Ben T. Travers and Leo Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo. Remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>